Each of us has a unique career story to tell. For some, these fly high like rocket launches. For others, they're more like the game of shoots and ladders with advances and setbacks along the way. Either way, we learn countless lessons from these experiences. And that's what we put into the spotlight here at Career Sessions Career Lessons. Join discussions featuring a variety of guests sharing their stories of ups and downs, as well as the secrets of their success and what drives them to continue moving forward. We break down the tools and resources that will help you establish your dream career and realize your professional goals. Here's your host, J.R. Lowry. Hi, I'm J.R. Lowry. This is Career Sessions Career Lessons, which is brought to you by Pathwise.io. Pathwise is dedicated to helping you live the career you deserve, providing career coaching, content, courses, and community. Basic membership is free, so visit Pathwise.io and join today. Today, my guest is Giuseppe Grammatico. Giuseppe is a franchising advisor who has owned a number of master franchise licenses and has enjoyed a successful franchising career guiding over 200 individuals through business ownership, many for the first time. In addition to two decades in franchising, he also has 20 years of sales, marketing, and management experience. He's assisted over a thousand individuals and businesses with their investments. He takes the overwhelming guesswork out of the franchise process, listening and teaching along the way, learning about the candidate's specific goals for their business and guiding them as needed. Those bold enough to take action on their own are the ones who realize the freedom that that boldness can deliver. Giuseppe started his career working in his family's Italian restaurant in Somerset, New Jersey. He then spent several years in financial services, working for Alliance Bernstein and J.P. Morgan. At that point, he jumped into the master franchise business, and he hasn't looked back since. In addition to his consulting work, Giuseppe hosts a podcast of his own called Franchise Freedom. He's also codified the learnings from the franchise world into a book, also called Franchise Freedom. He has a bachelor's degree and an MBA from Ryder University, and he lives in the greater New York City area. Giuseppe, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, JR. Looking forward to it. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Glad we were able to get connected. Let's start with the basics. So you're in the franchise world. For people who aren't familiar with what franchises are all about, give us an overview of how the business model works. Franchising is, we can call it a business in a box or a business on training wheels. It's essentially a proven business model where individuals came in, figured out the best way of going about doing business, trial and error, and kind of put together that system, that guide for an individual to follow. So you're not reinventing the wheel. You're going in with a model that's been proven, and it definitely helps to speed up the process. We call it an unfair advantage. You're a master franchiser. How is that different from just being a franchise owner? Essentially, what a master franchise owner is, you're owning a market. For example, we're in the United States. I'm in the state of New Jersey. You could purchase a section of New Jersey, a territory. And what you would do on behalf of the franchisor is you would develop that area, you would find other franchisees in that area. And due to that arrangement, you would split, however the split is, the franchise fee, and you would split the royalty payments since you will also be the support person for the people in the state of New Jersey. So essentially, the franchise company wants to expand rapidly. They sell to people like myself that would develop the entire state and would find the franchise owners within that state. So describe the kind of people that you work with who are looking to enter the franchise world. I would imagine for a lot of them, it's explicitly about getting out of the corporate world and getting themselves into something that they really own for themselves, right? 
Yeah, for the most part. So I'll start with the different types. You have the individuals that are just looking at franchising and business ownership as a investment strategy. So they're looking to diversify their investments, even convert their business or change their business. You may have someone that owns a painting company and wants to say, you know what, I want to buy this franchise and essentially convert my smaller mom and pop into the franchise so that I can leverage and take advantage of the economies of scale, the price on painting products, the access to this community of hundreds of other franchisees, the marketing, the call center and all that. The bulk is going to be corporate executives that are looking to make a switch. A lot of them are looking to leave corporate. They don't like the hierarchy. They don't like corporate America where a lot of politics, they don't really see a future for themselves or doing well. They made a few bucks. They realize that having a job isn't right for them. So they contact me. We offer a free service where we essentially help individuals figure out if a franchise is a good fit. And we show them a way of keeping their job and running this franchise on the side up until they are ready to maybe leave their corporate job. It could be six months, it could be a couple of years down the road, but showing them once you match the income of your W-2 job, that's the time to make that transition. So we do a lot of education, show people how it's done. And people, for the most part, have no idea that you can keep your job and have a franchise on the side. We also educate people on is these are ways of figuring out franchise companies that will help you and support you via a call center, via online marketing. And there are certain franchises that don't allow that, that really want you full-time day one. So it's part of the education process. But yeah, we've helped quite a few people both find these side businesses and, and helping with the funding process as well. What types of things do you get them into? What kind of franchise businesses? Every person's situation is different. What they're looking for really seems to be very similar. They're looking for more freedom. And there's Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach talks about the five freedoms. The two that come up most often are time and financial freedom. So they're looking to make more money and not have a cap. And they're looking for that time flexibility. So what we've seen since COVID are a lot of people geared towards uh, service businesses, something where they can run from home. And what does that mean? It means keeping the investment lower, keeping the employee count lower, and just allowing you to essentially go to training and be up and running in as little as 30 to 90 days. So we've seen a lot of stuff and a lot of people looking at home services, and that covers dog waste removal, that covers roofing and siding. There's a coating business, there's painting businesses, and the list goes on. So we've seen a lot there as opposed to just to franchises that are low cost and are easy to open and truly scalable in the long run. What are some of the different franchise models that you commonly see from, I'll say, an economic standpoint in terms of how they're structured? So go back to the master franchise concept. You don't see that as often as you did in the past. For whatever reason, it's just not as popular. So there's really three types of franchise model, or I should say ownership. You have full-time model where you're in the business. It's mandatory to be in there full-time, running the business, getting it up and running up until you can hire that general manager. The second model is semi-absentee, one of the popular ones where you're essentially having a job and running the business on the side. And then the third, which is a new model, and it was created based off of demand, is a semi-passive model. Very few options, still pretty new, but it's similar to the hotel business model where you have a management company and these businesses uh, that typically fall in the home service space, 
they will have you pay additional fee. It's typically a flat percentage of your revenue and a management, typically the franchisor will run the day-to-day for you. So your involvement is minimal, still checking in just like this via Zoom, making sure you're proving the general manager and reviewing the KPIs with your main point of contact. That's more of a semi-passive. It's something new and there's been a lot of interest there, but those are the three types, brick and mortar, strip malls, standalone buildings. And then Mm -hmm. the other side is really home-based, something you can run from home or that may require a small office. From the perspective of the franchisee, what makes a franchise opportunity a good one or a bad one? What are the things that really differentiate? First, you have to understand the value proposition of any franchise is that you are investing in a franchise not to recreate the wheel. You're buying a franchise for the systems in place. So anyone that wants the system, I always say the business built for them, then a franchise could be a good fit. As far as picking the right franchise, that's where we spend a lot of time in this area. And it's really simply all about reverse engineering the process and figuring out what you want. And as basic as that sounds, there's really not much more to it than figuring out what you would like, not what will yield you the highest return, right? Because we want this to be sustainable, but really what would you enjoy doing? So I'll ask questions such as, if you had the perfect business, are you home doing Zoom calls or are you going to a physical location? Do you have zero employees or maybe a small number of employees or do you have a larger number of employees? The territory where you're located, some franchises allow you to live anywhere in the world and run them remotely. So really, it's about finding the right fit, the right match for that individual. Yes, financials are important and that's part of the due diligence process. But I always say, let's figure out ideally what it looks like, keeping a job with a business on the side in Atlanta, Georgia, with few employees that requires a smaller investment. So something I can run from home. That's a great starting point. Because from there, we can say, okay, we have a great starting point. Now, you don't really need a lot of experience in a specific industry like replacing a roof of a home or painting. What you really need is a skill set that matches the ideal franchise avatar. So that skill set may be someone who's very extroverted, who's going out there networking at the Chamber of Commerce events every week. So the franchisor is looking for that specific skill set. So that's what we also hone in on. What is your skill set? What do you enjoy doing? And what does an average day look like? Once we can match all that and then make sure, obviously, sometimes we find the right franchise, but the territory sold. So we want to make sure there's availability, the skill sets match and everything else. And that's when we present typically on our third call, two or three brands that the individual can continue the due diligence process. I would imagine a lot of people sit at their cubicle desk and fantasize about leaving the corporate world, buying a franchise. What are some of the misperceptions that you have to disavow them of when they're coming into the process fresh? A franchise is a business and there is a risk. You can lose your investment. You can lose money. There's no guarantee. People come to me saying, I heard you guaranteed to make money. No, you're guaranteed to get support. But at the end of the day, there's always going to be a risk. So that's myth number one. The second is you don't own the business. You own 100% of your typically LLC or S corporation. Yes, you may pay a flat royalty fee to the franchise, but that's an exchange for support and coaching and things like that. So own 100%, there's definitely going to be a risk involved. I always say the number one reason for franchise failure, actually the top two reasons are number one, not following the system and then buying the wrong franchise. 
I see too many people, they don't look at the role. They just look at, oh, I love this product or I love this service. How cool would it be if I owned that business? Well, you don't actually have to own that business to benefit from it. You can not have to buy a coffee franchise or a specific franchise. You can be a customer. So focusing on the role and the skill set is big. You just buy it and the business is run for you. That's not the case. Even businesses that are semi-absentee that will require significantly less time, they're still startup, especially if you're a first-time business owner. It's learning about business ownership. There's the accounting, there's the initial training and what that all looks like. So no matter what franchise you buy, there's a lot of work to get the business up and running. But with that being said, with via my education and via showing people how to do all this, the grass can be greener. But understanding that there's a risk, there's an investment, and there's going to be a lot of time and sacrifice, especially the first year. So keeping all that in mind, if you want a vehicle to yield you, hopefully, extra money, yield you extra time, flexibility, a business, a franchise could be a great fit. Do you find when you're having these conversations with people that you get into a little bit of a, I'll say, a career guidance discussion with them about whether they should do this or stick with a corporate job or go find a different corporate job if there's some if they're unfulfilled or unhappy for some reason how do those conversations typically play out yeah it's really figuring out you know where are you at why are we speaking today that alone opens it up because now they're telling me this is the job this is what i'm making and, and these are my roles and i've explored franchises because yes i'd like to be my own boss and that's really great and all but i'm just not fulfilled and i don't like my job so it's really me kind of taking a step back, seeing where they're at, giving them the straight, honest truth about the risks of business ownership. But I also change things up a little bit. And someone says, there's so many risks to owning a business. I said, yes, there could be risks, but no risk, no reward, right? For example, people always expect me to say you know, how much money I've made, which no one really shares what they actually make or ranges. My biggest success is I've never missed a soccer game. People think they go right to the financial, they forget yeah. about the time freedom. So I go back to, I became a coach and I coached both my kids' soccer teams when my daughter played one season, but got to coach both of them and I don't coach anymore, but I get to go to all the games and some of those games are three o'clock in the afternoon. So there's a lot to do, but always figuring out and saying, okay, is it the business, the, the vehicle, or is it just you're in the wrong job? We start to break it down and figure out maybe a business isn't the right fit. We have other individuals that can maybe help you with your resume. Maybe it's a job. Maybe the timing isn't right. So we definitely go down the reasons why, the differences. Going back to the risk of having a job, I tell people that insist a business is, is risky. It absolutely is. A job, you're investing time. A business, you're investing time and money. But with a job, you look at one source of income, your future, right, is basically based off of your manager's opinion if they recommend you for a promotion. And then we blindly invest, and I worked on Wall Street for many years, but we blindly invest our money or additional money in a 401k that we don't manage and have zero control over. So if you're taking on these risks, why not bet on yourself? And at bare minimum, mm -hmm. if anyone has one takeaway, if you have that job and we've seen layoff after layoff, why not create a safety net? It doesn't have to be a million dollar franchise. There are plenty of franchises that are in the 100,000 range or less, but why not bet on yourself, create that safety net in the event you were to lose your job, at least you have a business and some income coming in that you can transition into part-time, full-time, whatever works best for you. So for people who decide to make that jump, 
what are the things that you advise them that they've got to get right once they're committed to the franchise world and trying to get something up and running? That they got to get right. Number one, get your finances in order. Liquidity, net worth, put everything down on paper. You're going to need some type of funding at some point. And each franchise company is going to ask you a bare minimum in the initially your liquidity and your net worth. Why? Because they want to make sure you can afford, just like buying a home, they want to make sure you can afford the franchise and you understand the total investment and that you have that buffer because some businesses take a while to get up and running. Others may work with insurance companies that take you 30 to 60 days to get paid. So financials have to get in order. Secondly, I talk about this in my book, let everyone know what the heck is going on. If you're married, whoever is going to be involved in the process, let them know because that first year, there's going to be an investment involved. There's going to be extra hours being put in, especially if you have a job and are running the business. So just letting everyone know that you're just going to be busy. Even if you have kids, mom and dad are both doing this because we want to create a legacy. We want to leave something to you. We also want the extra time for him to go on more vacations to make sure we join the PTO, just like my wife was the president of the PTO for many years and go to all the soccer games. So get everyone involved and then get just very clear on what life looks like in a couple of years. Your first year of any business, franchise or not, there's a learning curve, but figure out what you want your life to look like and always reverse engineer and work in reverse and see if that franchise fits the grand plan of where you want to be. For example, myself was always to work from home, go from a five-hour commute into the New York City to zero working from home and just check those off one at a time. And I think if you get organized and figure out what the ideal day looks like, it makes the process a lot easier. And this is a process. So working with the franchisor, if you have a hard time following the process of the franchisor, maybe franchising isn't the best fit because Everything is a process. Everything is a system. And that's what you get with the franchise. What are some of the mistakes that you see them making in that first year other than not following the process or the system? Maybe they didn't get the funding right, the numbers they put together. So they didn't put that buffer in the event. Economy goes south or for whatever reason, takes you a little bit longer. Or initially having that buffer, that living three to six months living expense, but kind of used it up because you needed a new vehicle or you wanted to go on this vacation. So I see that people don't have actual liquid funding on hand. Liquidity means emergency funds. They should not be invested in equities, in my opinion. There should be some money in a money market. I'm not saying take it all out, but have somewhat of a buffer. And just trying to do everything themselves to cut expense, which is a mistake I made. I was 27 years old, recently married, just bought a house, baby on the way. And it was really trying to cut expense, not realizing that cutting the expense was easy to gauge. All right, I just saved a couple thousand dollars doing this on my end, but what did I give up? What was the opportunity cost of me not spending maybe more time in sales? So yes, I saved 2000 but I also sacrificed potentially five sales calls. So follow the system. You can't do it all. Hire really good people and incentivize them to stay on board. It's very difficult to Bring on new people that need to be retrained due to turnover. So treat your staff great, compensate them very fairly, and just follow the system and you should be great. You should do well. And how's your business model work? Do you charge them like a fixed fee for your support or is it revenue-based? Our uh, model is similar to a real estate agent. So we our fees are paid directly from the franchise company. Franchise companies pay us a fee if you purchase a franchise. So the people that we work with don't pay us anything. So there's no fees. No contracts. 
The only thing I ask of everyone is we're going to need at least an hour a week initially for the first couple of weeks. And then after that, an investment of 30 to 60 minutes a week. And I will help guide you through the process. The due diligence is on you. You have to do your own due diligence, but we can guide you and let you know maybe some additional questions you should be asking or maybe compare and contrasting a B2B versus a B2C business. But yeah, there's no fee whatsoever for our services to the people looking at franchises. And you've put all of your wisdom into a book called Franchise Freedom to help guide these people. So talk a little bit about your book and how people can access. Yep. So I got the book here. It's a very flashy yellow here. Very simple read. I think it's 48 pages, a quick 30-minute read. You know, I went through the same exact process back in 2006. I worked with a franchise coach and consultant. They helped me through the process. So I said, how can I get everything out of my head, everything I experienced and put it all down on paper? Not just on finding a franchise, but we talk about building teams and having a financial advisor, a CPA, an attorney, having this team that can communicate with one another to make sure they're looking out for your best interests, involving your family and things like that. So I put this together. I give the book away for free right on the website, which is my initials, ggthefranchiseguide.com forward slash book. And you can download a free copy or go to Amazon for a hard copy. And it's a quick little read. So if you're not certain if franchising is a good fit, you can definitely read the book or just go right on the same website and book a call. And within 20 minutes, we'll figure out together. That's my guarantee. We'll figure out together if a franchise could be a good fit for you. And I do video chats and answer anyone's questions on that call. For somebody who's thinking about this, other than getting the book, setting up that initial consultation with you, what other things would you advise them on in terms of where they should start. Look at your current situation. What are you not happy with? Sometimes, like myself, I was making great income. I was happy there, but I didn't like the commute. In order for me to have more time freedom, I had to essentially move to New York City, and that's not cheap in any way. So your current situation, figure out what's not working, what you want changed. And then on a second piece of paper, figure out what your ideal situation looks like from what are you doing daily? What are the hours Someone said to me, I want to work Monday to Thursday and have a three-day weekend. Great. Write that down. It may not be that initially, but we can work towards that. So get that down on paper. Involve everyone that's going to be involved in the decision-making process and set aside time, just like you should set aside some time for your workouts, set aside time to work with someone like myself to do your research. I would discourage you to just start blindly looking at every fast food franchise because that's typically what people look at. There's franchising and uh, franchising essentially every industry because that becomes overwhelming and we don't want to settle. We want to look at what the ideal situation looks like and then find the franchises that really match. But getting clear, reading the book, doing some soul searching of what you want life to be. Are you looking to start a family? What does that look like? Get very clear. The clearer you can get, the better. Writing this stuff down, call it a brain dump. And uh, I learned that from a friend of mine. Every question you have, every concern you have, write it all out and then check them off. Talk to people. It could be myself. It could be a business coach. That's really what creates this anxiety, right? There's too much going on. I don't have time. Well, we all have time. It's just, you just become anxious. So if you can go down the list and leverage, okay, I got these questions. Instead of me trying to figure out the how, how am I going to go about creating more time? How am I going to go about doing this and going on the list? Figure out the who, figure out the person that can exponentially help you grow, the person that can go about and just say, a business could fix all these issues. 
this is what it looks like. And this is going to be the time commitment. That way you're not spending hours on the how. How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? Figure out what you want your life to look like and then figure out the person that can help you get there. And if that person, we start talking and we figure out a franchise isn't a good fit, but there are other opportunities, then I, as the who in this equation, can also put you in touch with my network of friends and podcast guests and things like that. So really leverage the who in your relationships. And I think that'll uh, absolutely speed up the process. One question, and I probably should have asked you this earlier, but what are the kinds of things that you can actually start in a part-time way versus the ones where they insist that you're in it full-time right from the beginning? It's going to vary. So some industries, you're the same industry and some will require you to be full-time. Some will require you to be part-time. To give you a perfect example, we have a business, they're in the coatings business, and that business could restore your siding and your roofing and cabinets without having to replace them. So big plus in that, obviously, we're not replacing. It's going to save the homeowner money. But how is that business semi-absentee compared to another business in the same space? Well, the franchisor will be very clear on the general manager you need and where to go about to find that manager and how to incentivize them to keep them on board. But it's also the support and the services the franchise company offers, such as full training for that general manager. And then they add on turnkey marketing. This turnkey marketing is done at the franchisor, typically at their headquarters. So you don't need to hire the staff. You don't have to worry about turnover and you don't need office space for these additional employees. Then you take it one step further. Those leads don't even come to your office because you may be out in the field working. And if you don't pick up that phone, they're going to go to the second listing on Google. So what they'll do is the marketing center will send those leads to a call center and that call center may grab your info, they may upsell, they may schedule, they may take payment. It's going to vary from one business to the next. So now they have this whole call center, maybe 15 people supporting 50 franchise owners, again, at the headquarters, taking that off your plate. So yes, there is a fee for these services, but you don't need the staff, you don't need the office. So now you have this coatings business where essentially that's all been taken off your plate. Now you're really looking, depending on your role in the business, is maybe a salesperson, you take on a role as a part-time general manager and a couple technicians that the franchisor will also train and get up and running. So whenever a company says they can be run part-time or semi-absentee, that's great. The next question is always, how? Can you give me a few examples? And I always tell everyone I work with, talk to them, ask them how they can take things off your plate and make your life a lot easier. And those are the questions you should be asking when initiating those conversations. Switching gears, let's talk a little bit about your own career journey. You started working in your family's Italian restaurant, right? Correct. Yep. At a very young age, bussing tables. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And probably not getting paid for it at that age, right? (laughs) Did it for the experience and for dinner. So yeah, it was more to learn the business and help the family out. You ultimately came to be managing pretty much all aspects of the business. What did that entail and what did you learn from that that stuck with you since? I didn't appreciate it then, but yeah, from busting tables, really running the business with my family and the access to the experience. So unlike working for a big company where you have that one job and you're just doing marketing, and in many cases, it's one fraction. Maybe you're just posting and utilizing Instagram. When you own a small business, I was helping with HR, hiring, firing, dealing with vendors, negotiating pricing. You know, If we did so much in volume, customer service, customer was happy, customer not happy. How do we update the website? Was SEO, which was 
I had no idea what the heck SEO was back then. And it was learning about that. So I learned a ton and people say, well, why did you leave that if you loved it? Well, I loved it. But the issue for me was what was prime time for a restaurant? Nights, weekends, and holidays. On the holidays, you'd have to get up early because we'd have catering orders. So I knew the business ownership was in my blood. I was the first one in my family to go to college. I said, let me try that. I had a real uh, strong interest in investing. Started working as an intern at the age of 18 or 19 for Payne Weber, which is also another great experience. But I think the experiences versus reading about it online and actually doing it are night and day. You really get the Mm -hmm. feel of your skill set, what you like, what you don't like. And I found out through a couple of Wall Street jobs and running a restaurant was I loved being my own boss. I hated reporting to people, but I wanted that time more than the financials. I wanted the time flexibility. So I got to experience that. It, it took me a while to figure all that out. Some people figured out much sooner. You know, I love the investment world. I just didn't like the politics and the levels of hierarchy, five, six bosses above me. Right. So yes, I think I always encourage anyone that's looking at franchising or work for a small business, you'll get access to the CEO, you'll get exposure to bookkeeping, you'll get exposure to marketing and sales and maybe working with the technicians, depending on what that business is. And I think that's the best way. Reading about it is great, but doing it, doing a summer internship, I think is priceless. What was your first franchise when you got into it? We were in uh, building service and commercial cleaning, and we covered New Jersey, most of New Jersey, not the whole state. And we work with all businesses of all sizes. And we really try to specialize in healthcare where we were cleaning terminal cleans for surgery centers and things like that. So it was a somewhat of a recession resistant business in that some obviously with the economy went south, some offices right. closed, but surgery centers, healthcare always had to get cleaned. What were some of the other things that you were involved in as a franchisee over the years? I was in that business for many years and That was it as far as my exposure on the franchise side. I networked and I didn't have ownership with other franchisees in the area, you know, sharing ideas and best practices. The franchise community, it's a small community. And that's one of the advantages is that when you join a franchise, whether it's with yours or networking with others, it's almost like joining a mastermind where you were in the building service space, but the people that own the franchise, I came from Wall Street and finance, others came from manufacturing. One came from entertainment. I think they work something with podcasts and radio. So everyone brings different experience levels, different ideas for marketing. It's truly priceless when you can get 100 franchisees together at an annual event, and then maybe you get together again, a smaller group and share some ideas and best practices. That to me is priceless. And the information gathering and being able to hook up and work with other franchise owners and leverage your marketing, leverage the things you're working on to maybe obtain larger contracts. I think that's one of the major advantages of franchising. So only own one type of franchise, but yeah, was able to work with others in various industries. And when did you get into the master franchise model? 2007. Got into that, sold my uh, franchise in April of 2020 and uh, doubled down on my consulting and coaching business. We launched the podcast, we launched our book all same year in Q1. I mean, we didn't know COVID was coming, obviously. It just it yeah. worked out that way. So it was definitely a crazy year. But 2020, I said, let me double down. And from the sale of my business, I was able to reinvest in the podcast, in the book to get that up and running. There was definitely a learning curve. I've never done any of this before. And right now, towards this business, looking at some other 
franchise opportunities as we speak, as we get to speak with founders on a daily basis. But right now, dedicating myself uh, at least until the end of this year and exploring a few franchises in the uh, New Jersey market. Do you have anything that you're particularly excited about that you can talk about? Don't want to get into the weeds, but definitely the uh, B2B space. I really enjoy that space. There's some advantages where you get to leverage relationships, such as relationships with HVAC companies and property managers and even plumbers and tech where you can leverage those relationships into a much larger opportunity. So the, the B2B space in the kind of the service sector, working with other businesses is an area I'm really excited about. And there's opportunities in coaching. There's opportunities in reducing expenses for small businesses, which is another opportunity we've explored where you're able to essentially for no cost, help businesses lower their expense and in return, as far as compensation, do some type of split on the savings, which we've looked into as well. So some great opportunity while also helping small businesses within the community. When you look back on the many different things that you've done over the years, what have been the consistent strengths that you've drawn on again and again? Very basic stuff. Actually, we just had a conversation with a colleague of mine and they said, what's your success due to? You know, What did you do? And it took me a while. I actually couldn't even answer on the spot. I took a step back and said, there's not really much. I'm very personable in what I do. I think follow-up is key. I'm not talking in sales. I'm just talking in keeping good relations. Don't know the answer to a question. Need to get this issue resolved. I like to follow up. I like to, I'm very detail organized. I use a CRM and Google Calendar. Those are my mm -hmm. two secrets in staying organized. And I think just being honest with people, we're not perfect. There's going to be mistakes. The difference is how you go about fixing those mistakes and the follow-up. So I think just the follow-up, being consistent there, putting that relationship first, realizing this is a long-term. I think that's been the key to my success. It's not a sales training. It's not techniques I learned over the years going through various courses. It's just the old school basic stuff of just doing right by people and you'll be fine. What have you had to work on developing? In the very beginning, being a 27-year-old and being out on my own on the first business, it's really hiring people better than me. And I didn't grasp mm -hmm. that concept. So I felt like I had to be the best salesperson in the organization, the best marketer. And I felt like I had to be really educated and kind of trained on everything before bringing on people. And it took me a while to realize people told me this, and I guess being in it, you just maybe don't listen. This is going back several years, but there's great people out there and you want to hire people better than you in marketing, better than you in sales and really supporting them. And I had that really reversed. And I admit that as a fault. I definitely, of course, corrected and brought on some great people that we've worked with over the years. Employees are the lifeblood of the business. Take care of them, get great people with tons of experience and you'll learn from them. Have there been any particular challenges that really stand out that you had to deal with over the years? And if so, what did you do to overcome them? Well, I've never owned the franchise before, so I wouldn't say it's really a challenge, but having our own business that you can essentially, if you want to add to the menu, take off from the menu and that kind of thing. So when dealing with the franchise, just going from owning a restaurant to owning a franchise, it's really having that advantage, but having that system in place and truly following it, you know, as opposed to, I always had different ideas of how to market and I made a lot of the mistakes I tell people not to do. And these are the mistakes I made, but just being able to follow a system and that trust level of saying, we figured it out, just follow A to Z and you'll be okay. So it took me a little bit longer just because I'm essentially doing whatever I wanted as a business owner in the restaurant business to owning that right. franchise. So 
there's always challenges, the learning curve, the learning about, and this is where I help people. Like you own a business years later, five years into the business, I had someone ask me, a colleague of mine, what happens if you get run over by a car and who's running the business? And I said, I have no idea. We've never put anything in place. So I wish that was put in place or part of a training or at least mentioned to me kind of like a business one-on-one. And I always yeah. advise people on doing this, but have a will, a living will, have a state plan put together, a successor plan where in the event something were to happen to you and you're running the business, who does the business go to? We're talking the money and ownership and who's running the day-to-day because it may go to your, just say spouse, but your right. spouse has never run the business. He or she may be employed. Maybe it's your top employee. It's your general manager that's going to be running the day-to-day. So putting all the legal in place, because I've seen some nightmares with friends of mine where someone passed away, nothing was in order. And years later, they're trying to figure it all out. So kind of like a business 101 basics was put together. And I always encourage people to look into these areas. And what I did is I took it a step further and I just recorded a show in estate planning. It's not a A to Z, everything you should need to know, but these are the basics. This is one person that can help you. And if you prefer to work with someone in your local market, just look for Google estate planning and find someone in that market. What do you do to recharge your batteries? First off, I took control years ago of my calendar. And that's something I learned as well as a big takeaway. I have a Google calendar and I put all my personal stuff on there. Date night with my wife, or sometimes we do date lunch, all my kids' games and events and things like that. And I build a business around that. So I want to be very clear there. And that definitely helps so that you're not feeling bad for missing all the events. For recharging, we do a lot of stuff with the family. You know, we hit the beach, we try to vacation as much as we can and limit kind of a cutoff for the day. After a certain time, we have dinner as a family, no cell phones. Maybe we do family movie night, which was created as a result from COVID. There was a lot of family movie nights, but doing something and experiencing a new restaurant. We're big pizza fans. And I actually have a pizza named after me where we live. So just trying restaurants, doing stuff with family and friends and separating and saying it's not business all the time. Yes, business is good. We all want to make money, but I also wanted to create time freedom. So I cut my calendar off at a certain time and just say, hey, if you don't see availability, Maybe we should chat tomorrow, the following week, but I don't do calls on the weekends. do a little bit of email, but you need that buffer. You need to breathe. With that buffer, you start to exude creativity. You start to come up with new ideas. When you're working all the time and under pressure, you're not 100% and it comes across. What advice would you give to somebody who's early in their career? Think about your younger self, perhaps, in terms of how they should be thinking about their career journey. Yeah. Just don't have regrets. Everything happens for a reason. Whatever your situation is, I used to say, I regret not leaving my job sooner. Now, well, it was the experience from that job that helped me get to where I am today. So every experience is a building block to where you need to be. Learn from these experiences. Don't make the same mistakes. If you don't like corporate America, all right, maybe work for a small company, maybe look at franchising or small business. It's never too soon to talk to someone. I'm talking to someone right now who's a senior in high school, believe it or not, that's exploring business ownership. He sent me an email. We're talking on Monday. So not to say you should own a franchise and maybe that person, who knows, has the money for a franchise, but just to understand what's out there and find some great mentors that you can ask questions to, maybe go to their place of business, maybe in place of mentorship, you help that individual out for the day. Maybe you travel with them or help them with their marketing or set up their office, whatever it needs to get done. But Get some great mentors, 
learn from just about all your experiences. And ultimately, I think if you, like I did, I have a Google Docs and a Google Sheets. I have two screens right now. I always have them up. Write down the goals and what you intend life to look at. And if you review that every day, I keep reading about this stuff and without getting into the weeds, but subconsciously, you start to attract certain things. Maybe you attract a certain person that can move the ball forward a little bit or a, a certain podcast or a certain website or whatever the case may be. If you constantly review that, I think eventually things start coming to you. It's funny. I had this wish list where certain things that I wanted and pretty much all of it came through. It took some time. It wasn't an overnight thing, but your mind starts to attract you. You start noticing certain things. For example, this, the franchise I found and the person that I spoke with to get me into franchise coaching and consulting, I think eventually you'll start noticing different things and you'll get to where you want to be sooner and enjoy the ride, right? You only live once and enjoy yep. the experiences as you go through them. Lots of good advice there to close. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate your time and the intro into the franchising world. As I said at the outset, people have a maybe a rudimentary understanding of the franchise world, but not really a sense of how it works and the different options. And you've done a good job of giving an overview. And obviously there's your book that people can look to as well. Yeah, absolutely. I encourage everyone. The info is there. I'm happy to chat with anyone, even if it's early stages or you just have a question you want answered right away, you can book a call. Again, ggthefranchiseguide.com. You hit the book a call and be more than glad to chat for 20 minutes and help you the best I can. Awesome. Well, again, thank you and have a good rest of your day. Thanks, Jar. I appreciate it. Nice meeting you. Take care. I want to thank Giuseppe for joining me today to discuss the world of franchising and his path into that world and some of the things he's learned along the way. If you're ready to take control of your career, franchising or otherwise, visit pathwise.io. If you'd like more regular career insights, you can become a Pathwise member. It's free. You can also sign up on the website for the Pathwise newsletter. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Career Sessions, Career Lessons. We hope the nuggets of wisdom shared today help guide your path to the successful career of your dreams. This podcast series is part of Pathwise.io, which is here to help you live the career you want. We provide a comprehensive mix of career and professional development events, insights, tools, and exercises backed by a group of leading coaches and other career management experts. If you aspire to something more or just something different in your career, join us at pathwise.io. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. See you again on the next episode.